comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Mr. Stark. Yeah? Agent Coulson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from the uh, Strategic Homeland the... Intervention right, Enforcement yeah. Logistics Division. Whew, God, you need a new name for that. Yeah, I hear that a lot. That's being handled. That's what we do. Just call us sheep. So you never play poker when there are x-ray glasses in the facility. That's a rule. Yeah, that's a rule. I was trying to figure out where they were going with with that. I did like uh, Fitz and the pretzels. That was pretty funny. Yes. Yes. I thought he uh I thought he really did have a psychological tell that Fitz had figured out, but it turns out <laughs> that wasn't the case. And and I guess the tag-ons, I guess I'll have to get used to some of the tag-ons being silly little bits like like this one. You know, maybe we get spoiled by a Samuel L. Jackson cameo, uh the graviton hand coming out of the whatever uh, you know, those seem to add to the story or be kind of like special, whereas this one was kind of more like the shawarma bit from the end of Avengers. Yeah. Right. We're gonna we're gonna have Avengers type tags, and we're gonna have Thor type tags that actually set something up. Isn't that wasn't Thor when um when we first saw the cube? Uh, not first saw the cube, but it it was when uh, Shield had recovered the cube. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Doctor Selvig went down in the basement at the end of Thor, and Fury opened up the suitcase and showed him the cube. I would prefer Thor type tags instead of Avengers type tags. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, now this is a weekly television show, so sure. they they can't come up with. What's the full season order, Russ? 22, 23 episodes? I think, yeah, 22 is what I think so, it's going to be. Yeah, 22 special endings would be uh, would be a real trick to pull off. And hey, welcome to the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, episode four. Uh, tonight we're going to take a look at I Spy, which was a very clever title. I was trying to figure out what they were getting at last week. And I like the way that worked out. And this is John. I have Brad and Russ full house tonight. How's it going? Hey. Pretty well. You know, I didn't make the I spy connection or the reference or the the in joke until literally just this minute. <laughs> well, it was spelled E Y E spy. Yeah. So that should have been your clue. I don't think I'd ever seen the title of the episode written out anywhere. But when you just said it, it just made complete sense. Do we have any comments or uh, anything that we need to go through for last week? I know we did a bit of a uh, a bash fest. Um, maybe not that bad, but we were a little rough on last week's episode. I don't know if we have any uh, anything else to wrap up. Well, on Twitter, at Shield Podcast, Steve Elliott uh, says he just listened to our episode three. Uh, Steve... Uh, I'll read his words. I felt the show was on par, 
didn't feel the team bumbling was overplayed. Half of the team are new agents, after all. This is true. I mean... It happened again this week. Yeah. Uh, what did they do? I can't put my finger on exactly when I was like, oh, that's a really dumb mistake for... Maybe it was the whole operation scene. The clip falling out of the gun after he said she doesn't know the difference between safety and the clip yeah. jack. Well, right. Sky, I kind of get it. I mean, Sky is untrained, brand new. You know, but everybody else should be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent at this point of their career. I don't recall um, anybody else making a serious mistake. You know, Fitzsimmons were dealing with something that they haven't had to deal with before as far as that operation goes. And and that's kind of their shtick, right? Like, they, yeah. they don't want to be in combat. They don't want to be right. in the field. They just want to be in the plane or in the van or well, when, when the uh, lab. Was it Coulson or or Ward? They said you don't. You're not going to even have to li- leave the van. Uh, Fitz gave a little fist pump. Yeah. Like yes. Yeah. That was funny. This was. Um, I liked this episode a lot more than last week. Uh, and I think just the creepy factor that it was that it started out with, and I'm referring to all the red masks. Yeah. That that creepy factor really kind of set the tone for me personally and I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I I agree. And even the cut-off hand, I mean it was just a little more adult. You yeah, know, it, the, it the almost op- it almost felt like like a fringe episode. Oh, absolutely. Yes. yes. And it I really liked that feeling and I really think it shouldn't co- obviously the show shouldn't copy fringe but i think that they and we've talked about this before they they kind of gave us the feeling that the show was going to be fringy for lack of a better word and uh, people were talking about the the fox show fringe that ended last year but if you've never seen it you've done yourself a disservice uh it's a it's a great show but um they dealt with the weird, out of the ordinary, strange things, and and uh, ABC was really making me, and I think you guys also really feel like they were going to deal with some out of the ordinary, strange things, and they have. But this fourth episode really felt strange and creepy, for lack of a better word, and I really, I really liked it. Yeah, and and I. While I didn't see it coming, which is a good thing, I was almost a little disappointed that the red mask guys were just the armored, you know, guards for the jewelry, for the uh, for the diamonds, I should say. You know, I was almost hoping that they were part of the uh, rising tide or, you know, something. Yeah, I think based on the, and again, I think that's where that move was good because I think the preconceived notion was that they were a part of whatever big conspiracy the show may be about. And the fact that they were just um, a pawn in, you know, a scheme to avoid getting, you know, their stuff stolen, I thought was pretty cool. I mean, when they kind of played it all out and said, no, they all dress the same, they all look the same, they wear these masks, they all carry the briefcase, one of them has the diamonds, you know, the others don't, none of them know which. I I thought that was pretty clever, a way to kind of elude thieves. And the fact that, you know, again, the, the... hand getting cut off and her 
being able to determine which ones, you know, which suitcase had the right, you know, goods in it. I, I thought it, I thought it was pretty clever. I didn't. This one didn't have a lot of eye rolling moments for me. I think this was probably the least eye rolly of of the four. To be honest with you, there were there's some as we'll get to. There's some a couple twists in there that I didn't see coming, and that I thought worked really well. Yeah. Yeah. Even. You know, I, I think we've learned now that you're either going to have gifted or you're going to have tech. Um, and they kept us guessing in that area, too. Like, I think we all assumed she was gifted. Uh, when I say she, I mean Akila Amador. Is that what they said? Yeah. Yeah. Akila Amador. Yeah. Um, you know, I figured she was gifted and they sort of laid it out for us that she had some kind of ESP or or uh, whatever, and then it ends up being a tech implant, which was, a, you know, that was a cool twist as well. And, and then on top of that, the fact that it was a tech implant and she wasn't behind it. Like, she had no knowledge of who did it to her, why they did it. She wasn't controlling it. This wasn't, a, you know, we thought it was a, a story of a rogue agent. It turns out it wasn't a rogue agent at all. Right. And this calls back to the pilot where... um was it Michael in the pilot that was the one that was being experimented on and given the uh, caterpillar yeah. stuff? Right, given the caterpillar implant or whatever. Uh, I think they called yeah. it that. Yeah, so, you know, maybe this is breadcrumbs to a larger, you know, overarching story as well. I wonder if eventually we will, I'm sure, see whoever was behind this. You know, and even the uh, Aquila's handler, he also had a eye implant because you know they, and it, well, the kill switch because they killed him that way when he looked at uh, right at Col- well when Coulson showed him his shield badge. But um, I wonder. I think it would be cool if when we see like the big bad of that organization, if it's not related to anything else we've seen, but if like the head bad guy wore a red mask or something. I thought that would be fun. Right. And and I liked the fact that you kind of thought that the chubby guy that they were tracking, I call him chubby because they, by his uh, typos, they knew that he was overweight, which I thought was funny too. You know, you thought you were thinking he was the big bad for the episode and then he's just another layer, right? He's just another right. person with a tech implant, you know, just one level higher, I guess, or... Or whatever. I type like crap too, but I wouldn't consider myself overweight. <laughs> yes, I just have a small keyboard. Yeah. Sausage fingers. <laughs> yeah. And I think I put my finger on part of my disappointment. I think I put my chubby finger on <laughs> a little bit of where my disappointment comes from. In this, you mean the show in general? Yes. I was thinking today that I've decided (laughs) that there's something wrong with this show, but I can't put my finger on it, and apparently you can put your sausage on it. Well, I think think that um, part of it for me is part of the expectation, and I I will even preface it by saying part of the unrealistic expectation that I had uh, is that this could really be soaked in Marvel continuity. 
and I'm watching this episode and I see Akila in the beginning and you know you see the African American agent and right away I'm thinking maybe that's Misty Knight and I'm looking for a mechanical hand ah. right. and I realized at that point that nobody that I want to show up like every week is probably going to show up <laughs> and I, I think it's an unrealistic expectation I recognize that but I think that's what I wanted I think that's what Every comic geek wanted. We just have to decide if we're okay with it not being that. You know, we're going to get the gravitons of the Marvel Universe more than likely. It's not going to be, you know, the B-list heroes that, that we might want. Yeah, and you know, I, I again, I and I, I've been comparing it to Arrow because I thought Arrow pulled it off as a TV show. And it's probably not fair because DC has no like movie continuity to worry about really. Like they they could just keep Superman and Batman out of it and they're and they're fine. But like, you know, Arrow gave us, you know, uh I'll forget everybody. They gave us Deathstroke, they gave us Vertigo, they gave us Deadshot. 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 They gave us uh the Roy female Harper. um say that again? Roy Harper. Right, Roy Harper. The they Huntress. gave us the Huntress. You know, uh, they gave a, They kind of gave us Black Canary, and it sounds like she's coming. Yeah. Um, you know, they're going to be introducing the Flash. So I guess that's really more of what I was hoping for. Yeah. And one of the things, I, I finally caught up on Arrow, not to not to get on off on, on the Arrow tip, no, no pun intended, but... Um, <laughs> The, one of the airline they were looking to shut down, shut, shoot down was a Ferris aircraft, um, and then uh, who Ferris Air is the it, Ferris Carol Ferris is is a, a character in in the DC universe. He's she's involved with uh, with Hal Jordan, who's the Green Lantern. He's a test pilot for Ferris Air, and uh, Oliver's mother at one point mentioned uh, Ted Cord, like they were going to a party with the cords or something or with Ted Cord or something like that, you know, who is the blue beetle for a long time in the DC universe. So, um, yeah, we definitely get a lot more overt a level B level references in, in arrow, but DC's kind of taken a different take too. Like, like you said, they're, they don't have any of this continuity. They're not building this wider universe. They're fine with just taking a TV show and saying, you know what, this is its own thing. Like we may have a movie franchise separate for this, but it, it doesn't matter. I mean, they did it with Smallville. I mean, Smallville is in a completely separate universe than Arrow, even though it's going to have some of the same characters. It does have some of the same characters in each show, but they're they're completely unrelated to one another. Um, so it's it's just a, it's just an odd thing that that Marvel Disney has taken with with Shield to say this is firmly planted in this universe, which is a curse and a blessing, I, I guess. It, it handcuffs it because you're not going to see a level stuff in here. Or if you are, it's going to be very infrequent. I mean, we got our Nick Fury cameo, but I I would be extremely surprised if we ever got a Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Robert Downey Jr. cameo in this show. Uh, I mean, it, it's 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 possible, but I would be extremely uh, I, I, w- I would be very surprised by that. Right, I agree. And if we do, it's going to be in the after show tag. 30 seconds, you know. 
Right. Right. Like I wouldn't. Ex- I, w- I definitely would not expect any of those names you mentioned to actually be like part of the episode. Yeah. Back to Shield. Uh, <laughs> the agents of Shield. I always forget to call it that. Sky. I th- I I just have a problem that every line out of her mouth is like from the Whedon handbook of television. She's very yeah. quippy. Yeah. And like some of them are good, like some of them make me chuckle, but then it's like, all right, you know, is that her is that just going to be her her character, just quip after quip? Well, we all know somebody like that. I do not know anyone like that. Really? Yes, but I'm old. I don't know anybody like under 25. We're older. Russ and I are both older than you are. Russ doesn't know anybody like that either. He's just not saying it so he doesn't hurt your feelings. (laughs) Okay, I would say most people know an obnoxious person who talks a lot. How's that? Okay, that I know. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. I think that Sky would fit into that category more or less. Depends on your and I, your definition yeah, of the word obnoxious, but you know John is the way he's describing Sky makes me think that he finds her a bit obnoxious at times. I think obnoxious is an okay word. You know what? It just it 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 just feels like somebody out there, somebody writing this is saying this has to feel like a Joss television show and she's going to be the character that's going to make it feel that way. Yeah. Well, I think I- I'm they hoping... all have their moments that make it feel that way, but, you know, she's probably the one that vocalizes it the most. You know, it's funny you should say this. She bar- She bothered me the least in this episode as opposed to the previous ones. She she didn't get on my nerves this time. Right. Whereas, whereas she had previously. Yeah. And for me, I don't even think it's so much a get on my nerves. I think it just, it it's it's a little too much. I think they need to pull it back just a little bit. I, and I, I think it's just one of those things, as time goes by and they kind of get their legs, I, I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to, we're going to see more of it because it's funny because Fitz and Simmons, they're very much Whedon type dialogue. I mean, they're they're like the Willow Xander banter back and forth from Buffy um, and some, you know, some of the some of the characters that we saw banter back and forth on that show. So they fit kind of in that mold, but it seems a little more natural and a little more, um, I guess, natural because they spend a lot of time with each other. And the banter is is kind of relegated to just the two of them. With Sky, it's just because she's kind of an outsider and she interacts with everybody a little bit. It just seems like it's just way more in your face when it comes from her as opposed to anybody else. Yeah. And I think also, I think they're they're playing both sides of the fence with Sky. Like, she does the quips over and over, and then there's, like, that heartfelt moment where she talks about being adopted or something. And then, like, I don't buy it because she's been so the opposite the rest of the show. But that's me. And I just take it maybe as she's overcompensating. You know, it's it's just that, you know, tough front that she's going to put on. When, you know, she's really pretty fragile, but she doesn't want to seem fragile because it's a sign of weakness. Um, so th- that part doesn't 
bother me as much. It, like I said, I just, I just think they need to pull her back a little bit. Right. I mean, she's obviously the point of view character for the audience, but I, I, I think, and I, I've, I've read some stuff recently that says that you know the other characters are going to get more focused. That we're going to see episodes where you know they put a focus on you know pretty much each one of the other characters, and I think that's a good thing because I think we'll get to see a little bit of a different dynamic with the show and just see how how it changes, especially on the writing side, when they're not having to balance it out maybe quite as equally as as they're doing right now. I hope they do that with with Agent May really soon. Yeah, she's really been straight so far. Yeah, yeah. she's... I, I'm interested in her character. I'm intrigued by her. It's time they do something with her. You know, yeah, she doesn't I like need the, to be I, such a cipher. Yeah. I don't want her to be a cipher the whole season. I like the bit at the beginning, you know, when they when they do the cockpit zoom from the outside and Coulson's up there and he talks about learning to fly and, you know, why she does it and or, and she says, you know, mostly for the solitude, you know, just basically like I get to come up here and not have to deal with people. I, I thought that was kind of cool. And then she had her moment towards the end of the episode when it was time to go in the field and she said, look, I'll go, you know, I will, I will do this. You know, Colson said, no, basically it's my mess. I need to go clean it up. And so he, he left. So she's starting to kind of open up a bit, but we could tell too, that she's more of a, um, more of a straight arrow than Colson is, which is funny because Colson always, you know, was portrayed in the movies as the straight arrow. Um, but we're seeing now that, that he's kind of bending the rules a bit. I mean, he didn't want to report this. They keep talking about HQ, like, you know, we need to report this back to HQ or to, you know, to, to the central, you know, age, you know, part of the agency or whatever, that there's definitely another layer of authority that Coulson, maybe not at the top of the, you know, top of the food chain, as far as shield goes. I mean, he's pretty high up, but not definitely not at the top and decision-making portion and that she's willing to kind of play it a little bit more by the book. Let's jump right to Colson and what Aquila Amador, yeah, uh, and what she says to May. She says, "What did they do to him?" And May says, "What are you talking about?" And she's like, "Oh, never mind," and just walks off. So there's definitely something different with Colson, and I was talking to my buddies Frank and Bill about this on the last episode of Half Hour Wasted. Frank doesn't like Coulson and and really wasn't a fan of him in the movie. And Bill, Bill and I like him, but Bill was saying that he was acting completely different in this TV show than he did in the movie. And I think it's because we get to spend more time with Coulson in the TV show. I mean, you know, Coulson's got his quips. We saw some quips in the movies, you know, even though we had a maybe a a grand total of 15 minutes of Coulson in the movies, you know, if you edit them all together. But he really does, he really is starting to feel different to me now. And I think uh, I'm Amador's question was well-timed as far as 
my own personal journey with how how am I feeling about Colson. You know, it, and they're starting to they're starting to move along. I hope they continue to move along with with this Clark Gregg mystery, this Colson mystery. I hope they don't drag it out till the end of this show or seri- uh season, thank you. Um I don't know, it just feels like it's time to start doing more with that instead of the random Tahiti was a magical place. I got a second chance. You know, stuff like that. Let me ask you something. Did you think that Aquila meant uh, what did they do to him because he's acting so differently or because she saw oh. something with the bionic eye? Yeah, I think she saw something with the bionic eye. Oh, I hadn't even considered that. See? Oh, yeah. See? Oh, that that opens up a whole new thing. The three of us were convinced that he's not a life model decoy, but what well, if she's it, seeing something different about him that would mean that he's a life model decoy? Or whatever, you know, or he's got an Asgardian uh, heart transplant, you know. <laughs> like, it could be he's got yeah. a little Stark reactor in inside of him. He doesn't know it. Or it could be he's, you know, it's some kind of nanotech that, you know, is just dispersed throughout his body. It could be Asgardian. It could be he's an LMD. But I, I, I think that was, if he's an LMD, that was almost a too obvious uh, throw out there. So I think, I don't think, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, to me, it's all, it's, it's way up in the air. But I thought that was interesting. And I, I'm pretty sure she meant, you know, she looked at him through her x-ray, you know, vision thing and, and saw that there was something internally that was not right with him. Oh, yes, yeah. that's, that's got to be it. That makes so much more sense than her just noticing his personality has changed. And it's interesting because before that, like I think this time it was something physical that she could see with the bionic eye, which is interesting because now they have a bionic pair of glasses on the plane, so maybe somebody else could see it at some point. But the other change... It's not a, it's not a duplicate of the technology. It's a It's a simulation of the technology you I mean fits said as much basically oh, okay all right it's well not, and it's not the exact eyeball technology that that amador had gotcha so but maybe it did the it same thing it did the same thing but maybe not in the same way it it may not result in the same type of visual true 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 but up until that point i figured that they're they're going to make a big deal over the change in Coulson's personality to make it work that they wanted to change Coulson's personality because it's probably more interesting to have like a quippy lighter Coulson be the star of the show than straight edge dry Coulson from the movies. You know yeah, what I mean? But, yeah, I agree. And but I think if you go back and look at the Thor version of Coulson, I think he fits pretty close to the shield version of Colson. I mean, he was a little bit more like, no, let's see, let's wait and see how this goes. Like he knew in Thor, he knew that when they came and busted him out of, of the shield facility, they're holding him and he, he totally let them take him out of there and he wanted to play off. He tells Hawkeye, you know, when he's, he's up in the rafters, you know, don't take the shot, just wait, let's see how this goes. And that seems like a very shield TV show kind of thing Colson would do at this point. Like let's let's let this play out. Let's not just pull out the book and follow it to to a, to a T. And and just as in you know the whole thing when the 
um, when the destroyer comes up and, you know, they ask him if it's Stark and he's like, I don't know, that guy doesn't listen to me anyway. I, 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 I agree that in Iron Man, Iron Man 2, he's very straight laced, very by the book, not, not going off script and even in Avengers to some, to some degree. Um, but I think the Thor, the, the way they wrote him in Thor, I think is very, is very similar to this. I would agree with that. I think Ward is coming around a little bit. For me, yeah. I agree with Brad about uh, Melinda May. It was like the coolest thing in the show so far is when Melinda May ran out and kicked ass and shot two guns. Yeah. And they haven't gotten back to it. Like, I thought that was it. All right, she's in the field. Now they're just talking about it. Like, she's just saying, I'm going to go in the field, but they're not doing it. It was a pretty, uh, pretty good fight between her and Amador, though. Yeah, when she sneaks out and to go after her because Coulson, she's afraid. I think she's afraid at that point that Coulson has too much of a soft side for her. Right. And she's she's more convinced at that point that she's doing no good and knows she's doing no good, as opposed to Coulson who who just doesn't want to see it or believe it. I guess. And I'm buying Fitzsimmons. I, I like I like them. It works for me. I think I understand like. 60% of what they're saying, but... Yeah, yeah. But um, they they work for me. Yeah, I like them. They're probably my favorite thing on the show at this point. The gun was pretty funny, the bit with the gun where they... It, it's some sort of toxin or something that they create. It shoots like these bullets that are some sort of neurotoxin or something like that. What are they, He wanted to call it the sleepy time gun or something like no, that. No, the nightlight. The nightlight gun. <laughs> the nightlight gun, yeah. And Ward was like, yeah, we're not calling it that. It's funny how uh it's funny how Fitz Fitz seems to get his feelings hurt sometimes. You yeah. Know, when somebody says something about some of their technology or things they're building or and it seems to me that all of the tech that they build, like the the gun they used in the in the pilot episode at the end, uh this little handgun here, that it all looks very Chitari influenced. Which makes sense. It does, but I just didn't want them to kind of rely on that as their only design for new technology. Yeah, and I don't know if it's maybe done somewhat intentionally to show that it's not a conventional weapon. You know, that's that's the way you'll distinguish between, you know, yeah. something that's that's not. I was just thinking about the um, the beginning of the show. And uh, the location that they that they were shooting in, um, yes, yeah, Stockholm, Sweden. It I think they really shot there. Uh, that underground subway system with with it looked like it had been carved out of rock and it had been painted white and blue. That's that's an actual place. So I think they really shot there. Yeah, I think I remember. Um... I think it was Bleeding Cool that had spotted them filming the scene with the red masks and stuff, and it was in yeah. Europe. Or yeah, very cool. I liked that whole scene with them. It looked like, you know, you've I've seen this before in in, in uh, TV shows and and movies and stuff. Most notably in my memory is in the TV show Thirty Rock when they would shoot like a scene with. Um, Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin walking down the street talking. In the background, you can see people looking at the camera or looking in the direction, holding their phones up, you know, 
filming the the scene that's being filmed for TV or whatever. And you could almost you could almost kind of see that in this opening uh, sequence on the Shield episode. But it was it was um, it wasn't overt, and it almost I think they used part of it, part of like people with their phones, you know, filming, shooting pictures and whatnot. They use that as a plot point, you know, later when, when, um, Sky brings up the Instagram thing, how everybody was taking pictures of the people in the red masks and she was finding, you know, that's how they located, uh, Amador when he says, there's your thief right there. But it, it had a yeah. real a sense of realism when they were in that crowd in Stockholm and all the red guys started walking down the, out of the crowd together and down the stairs and across the way and people were looking at them. It, it had a sense of realism. And I think that's because a lot of it was real. You know, the people were like just snapping photos of, of everything that was going on. And I thought, I thought they used that in a clever way. Yeah. I think it was both planned and realistic because nowadays, I mean, everybody, that's the first thing everybody does when something's going on is they pull their cell phone out and take pictures. Um, sure. All of those phones were like those Windows Lumia phones, so I'm pretty sure that was um, that was that was shot uh, specifically for that purpose. Maybe they handed out those phones and just said, you know, whenever you get an opportunity to take a photo or whatever, use this phone to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it didn't seem choreographed. Except for them walking through the crowd, everything else around them seemed very realistic. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have to say I loved the little line at that point from Coulson saying, uh, you know, how this day and age you people practically apprehend yourselves. You yeah, know, they're yeah. surveilling themselves. Oh, right, right. I mean, it's so... True. I mean, I'm in the education field, and I can't tell you how many stories I hear about kids that, like, they'll have a suspicion that the kid is coming to school high, and, like, all they have to do is check his Facebook page. (laughs) And there's the admittance of, you know, I'm so high, it's third period. You know, (laughs) like, it's unbelievable what... You know, it's come to this day and age, like, everybody's just, the internet's out there for everybody to look at, kids. Yeah, people yep. are people are so worried about the NSA business shot, uh, spying on us when, you know, I like to think I'm not, but when we're doing it to ourselves with our rants on Facebook and our tweets and our pictures on Instagram and whatnot, it happens, I mean, I'm... There's so many things on Facebook that I've seen that are very personal, and I'm like, did you really just put that on Facebook for like a million people to see? Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's right. We do it. You know, we do it ourselves, so. I I thought <clears throat> on the technology thing again, the whole bit where they they clone the tech to hijack the feed and do all that stuff with Ward, I thought... I like the fact that they couldn't, they made a point of saying they couldn't reproduce it exactly that, you know, they had to kind of, uh, you know, manufacture it on the fly to put it in the glasses and make it look like that. 
it, it just made it a little more believable. I think sometimes on these shows, they seem to be able to hijack technology or to come up with this stuff on the fly and, you know, make it a perfect duplicate or make it totally concealable. And the fact that they just basically had to hack this thing together and make it work, I thought, I thought again, just added to kind of the the realism, for lack of a better word, to, to what was going on and just kind of added another you know, another dim dimension to the plot, you know, where Ward goes in and he's got to be careful not to look in mirrors or reflective service, uh, uh, surfaces. He can't look back at sky. He's, you know, just all that kind of uh, added complexity, which kind of led to a bit of a funny moment, you know, after Ward breaks into this facility and, and encounters that guard. And, and, you know, you, you know, obviously you, uh, this is a perfect Whedon thing too, is, you know, you, you automatically think the, the guy's gonna say, okay, take the guard out or slip past him. And it says seduce him. And it, it, I, I just thought that was kind of funny because, of course, it's this, you know, really gruff, you know, serious looking, you know, scruffy guy. And, uh, you know, they even just had a bit of a, a moment where Sky was kind of assessing whether whether, you know, which which team this guy was playing on, so to speak. And I just I just thought that was that was kind of funny. Yeah, definitely a nice little twist, you know, staying away from the predictability. And even the even the banter that the the. Well, he didn't banter very much, but when Ward goes up to him and just tries to, you know, you know, oh, I was up late with the game and then I met these chicks and you know how that goes. And he's trying to, you know, you know, coax yeah. him into, you know, kind of a little bit of a, you know, fist pump kind of moment. And uh, this guy's having none of it. So, you know, eventually Ward just knocks, knocks him out. But but again, I just I thought it was. It was funny that they, you know, they kept that going and, and didn't just kind of uh, do the predictable thing. You think the glasses will show up again in the future? Like maybe uh, Sky's going to keep them or set them aside and pull them on every once in a while and check what's-his-face out? <laughs> I yeah. could see them returning down the road somewhere for to be part of a mission or to, you know, solve some problem that they have. Or Yeah, and in the world of Google Glass, it's not or Google Glasses, I guess you you could say, it, it's not too far-fetched, right? I mean, it's it's believable, you know, that you would have something, you know, maybe not the eye implant with its independent power source and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, a, a pair of glasses that watch what you're doing and can see in different, you know, visible light spectrums and can transmit and things like that. I mean, that's that's perfectly believable. Like, that didn't even seem like, you know, ridiculous Stark technology. I started to wonder if there was something more to Coulson's desire to save Aquila Amador, uh, but it, it really just kind of turned out to be guilt. Yeah, they're kind of going down a a road here with Coulson. Like, this is the second, you know, uh, female that we've run into on the show that he's had a past with to some extent, right? Like, yeah, they're kind of fleshing out his past... He's he's got a bit of survivor's guilt. You know, he yeah. he got a second chance. He got to come back from death or the brink of death or whatever he thinks he came back from. And you know, here's a person that he feels at the time, you know, at the beginning he didn't realize it, but at the end he realized that that she was um subverted and she was coerced and you know, forced into doing bad things. Um and you know, he feels like, okay, who am I? You know, I'm nobody. I'm just some guy that got caught up in this crazy, these crazy adventures with these superpowered people and, and, you know, crazy technology. And I died or, 
you had you know some sort of near death experience and was able to come back and and given this this other chance you know who am I to to take that away from somebody else so I, you know again I think it goes to the the way Coles better explaining maybe why Colson's behavior is changing that but also fits the show like we said that it would just be a little dull if we got the straight laced Colson from Iron Man Iron Man two into a weekly TV show. How'd we do ratings-wise? Um, pretty good. Uh, it, it didn't slide very much. It, it was the second show for the night, and it was uh, 2.7, uh, 18 to 49 demo rating. Last week's was a 2.8, and uh, it had a total of 8, 8 million viewers. So, actually, it's hanging tough with NCIS in the, in the, in the, day, in the, you know, the key demo. Um, NCIS was the number one show. And it was a 3.0. Um, it's still NCIS way outweighs it in total viewership. I mean, in the non, in not accounting for demographic, but just all viewers. Period. Um, NCIS is at 18.4 million, and uh, Agents of Shield is 7.6 million. But still, um, considerably higher than any other show that night. I mean, it's it's definitely better uh, by a factor of two. Of any of the sitcoms and the other, you know, a lot of the other shows that that are on, uh, especially in in the key demo. So, it's 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 holding tough. I mean, this is the fourth episode, and it and it stayed pretty close to the third. So that that you know, I I don't think that we're going to see this thing fall off a cliff. Um, and I, and I think that having the little stingers at the end is enough to kind of get people to to maybe come back. So I I think I think this is probably about where it's going to sit. To be honest with you, Russ, you're my fellow uh, Star Trek geek uh, on this uh, show. Did you happen to notice who the director of this episode was? I did. I did. It was Roxanne Dawson, who uh, played Belana Torres on Star Trek Voyager. That's and right. Yeah, she basically turned director. I mean, she's she directed a lot of episodes of Voyager, and then she's she's done a ton of TV. I don't know if you ever watched that show, Crossing Jordan. Um, that was on several years ago. But she, she directed a ton of episodes of that. Um, and that's kind of really her calling. She's left acting and and gone into directing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I I I I like that a lot. Yeah, I like following. You know, the career of of an actor to see if, like, when they branch off and and start doing something different because they've learned so much about the business. I I think that's neat a lot. You know, Peter Berg did that too. Um, yeah, he was an actor. Uh, for a long time, and then he started directing, you know, and has directed several feature films. Yeah, Jonathan Frakes, you know, same way. The guy that played Riker on Next Generation, he directed a couple episodes of that. He directed First Contact. He directed Insurrection, um, and has done a, a bunch of TV since. So similar, similar paths for those two. What did you guys think of one thing left hanging from the show, the formula or whatever that crazy thing was that. Uh, that Ward was able to get a picture of, like his mission, basically, to break into this facility, this facility that was so top secret that they were willing to pay $30 million for an access card to get into, that they had some sort of facility where there was all these formulas on chalkboards, and he took a picture of one, and it was like mission accomplished. Um, and it and it almost looked like either... A, I couldn't tell if it was some sort of chemical formula or if it was like a circuit board design or something like that yeah i went i went with uh they sort of dropped the hint that some people think it's alien 
Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I went with some kind of formula that was just in a in an alien language. I thought it was funny that this card was so valuable and this secure this facility was so top secret that uh, there's no picture identification on anything. You just swipe yeah. this card and <laughs> and just wand on through. But you know, whatever. <laughs> just use your library card. I thought it was odd that those two guys sitting at the desks just like looked at him and didn't say, who are you? I just thought that was funny. I guess, you know, if somebody walked in and they had to have had a, a card key to get in. So he's obviously supposed to be here, but I don't know. I just, that was a very Whedon thing to me too. You know, it's just like two guys that you would expect to be like, to say something, and they're just like, man, well, whatever. We're getting paid to do a job. We're here. We're just going to keep on working. And it seemed a little low-tech, right? I mean, didn't they have... Looked like um, typewriters or adding yeah, machines had, Yeah, or they something. had typewriters, and they're writing on chalkboards, and it, it just seemed very low-tech, which I thought was interesting. So I don't know if that was... You know, maybe that was on purpose, because... It, I guess yeah. it makes sense, because otherwise they'd probably just hack into it, right? I mean, you just have Battlestar to... Battlestar Galactica! Yeah, They yeah. had to keep it yeah. analog so that the, so that the uh, Cylons couldn't hack in. Yeah. So definitely it adds to the whole bigger mystery, something, you know, bigger batter is going on. So I guess we'll we'll see how this all plays out. Right. Uh there's a little bit of news that came out recently. Um I take it you guys have seen the the short the uh that was on the Avengers Blu-ray, the Item 47 short? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it looks like Titus Welliver who played Agent Blake um you know, some of you may know him from Lost. He's he's kind of one of those character actors where you probably don't know his name, but when you see his face, you're like, oh, that guy. But it looks like he's going to be for sure in episode six, but I think they're going to make him a recurring character on the show. So he's definitely going to, re- you know, uh, play this uh, Agent Blake character again. Um, and so it all, he was kind of a hard ass on the on the item 47. So it ought to be interesting to see how maybe him and Coulson interact or or don't interact with each other. That's fantastic. I love that guy. He was uh he was great on Lost and uh everything else I've seen him in, I've really enjoyed his his uh acting, so looking yeah, forward to Yeah, that. I agree. It'd be cool if uh Lizzie Kaplan showed up too. Yeah, yeah, that would be funny if if nothing else, or Jesse Bradford, you know, just even for an episode, you know, just to have him show up. Right. Was that the two the husband and wife or boyfriend girlfriend from that short? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know for a while that people there was a lot of speculation as to whether they would be in this show when it was first announced. Yeah, and they they squashed that pretty quick because they said they had other stuff going on. But it's funny we haven't seen. I guess it's Maximiliano Hernandez who played Jasper Sitwell. Um, he was in the short. He's been in the other shorts. He's been in the in the movies as well. He's kind of like Coulson's. Shield sidekick kind of has the bald head. It'd be funny if uh, if uh, Kaplan and Bradford show up and they're like his team, you know, like like Sitwell has this, you know, is is the you know Coulson has his team, Sitwell has his team, and for them to show up, you know, once as like a crossover or something, that'd be kind of funny. That'd be funny, yeah. So should we rate this one? Yeah, I. I'll start. I'm trying to think how uh, I was down last week, two point five. I think I gave the pilot a four, which was probably overly. I'll give this a three eight five. 
Uh, better, much better than last week. Maybe I've my uh, expectations have tempered a little bit, um, but I I enjoy this one almost a four, three point eight five. I'll give this one a four. I'll go I'll go the full four. Uh, I liked it a lot. I think it continued to set things up well. It it pulled back on the Avengers references or the the Marvel Universe references. I think they only mentioned it one time about the whole. Yeah, you know, I think Sky said there was a portal opening. At one time, I would have thought a portal opening up in aliens and superheroes would have been ridiculous. But you know, that's kind of the world we live in. So that was the only one I caught. So it I, I think like maybe it... I'm sorry. I think maybe they said when uh, when Aquila and Melinda May were talking about Coulson. I think they mentioned New York. Oh yeah, he, yes. Something about the Battle of New York again. And, but otherwise, that, you're right. Yeah, and that was fine. It wasn't like a crazy. It, it, it again, last episode I think they pulled it back a little bit. This one I think they pulled it back a little more. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's settling into itself. Uh, so yeah, I thought this was a, a solid episode this week. I'll give it four uh, sets of X-ray specs. Also, I liked it a lot more compared to last week. Um, this probably is my favorite episode yet. Um. I really liked it. You know, I could repeat a lot of what what you guys said, but that's enough for me. I really liked it. And next week we are looking at a show titled "The Girl in the Flower Dress." So I guess we will just have to guess what that could mean until <laughs> until we see it. Oh, I have a summary. Would you like to hear the summary? Yeah, read the summary. An elusive girl in a flower dress may hold the key to the mystery that brings Coulson and team to Asia to rescue a young man with an unusual and dangerous power. And Skye has a secret that jeopardizes her relationship with the team right when they need her most. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah, the, the promos on this one were like a guy that had looked like he was shooting fire out of his hands. And Coulson looking at Sky, and she looked like she was crying and basically was putting handcuffs on her and said, you're out of here, like you're done or something like that. So hard to tell sometimes from those promos. Sometimes those are, you know, we get like a little bit of a false positive and, you know, it's a ploy to, you know, draw out other characters or whatever. But uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, it looks looks pretty interesting. Cool. Anything else we want to touch on before we wrap this one up? No. I would just remind uh, everybody listening that uh, they need to go check out shieldtv.net for lots of good uh, discussion and fan uh, information about the show. Uh, We can uh, remind you of our Shield Facebook page. We will continue to put the link to that Facebook page on our uh, and the articles associated with uh, with each of the Shield episodes we post on hhwlod.com. You can follow us at Shield Podcast on Twitter, and you can send us an email to Shield Podcast at hhwlod.com. All right. So we'll see you next week for the girl in the flower dress. Sounds good. Later.